Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kristen, for that. I want to welcome you to Providence Road once again. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, we're really glad that you're with us. I just want to say that if you're, um, if you're someone that maybe is in church for the first time in a long time, and maybe you're a bit of a skeptic when it comes to God and <clears throat> Jesus and church, we are really glad you're here. If you're here and you're busted and beat up and broken and life is really difficult right now, we welcome you. You're welcome here. And if you've uh, uh, someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, and this is like part of your normal rhythm, we are really glad that you're here as well. And I'm honored and thankful that you would choose to spend a Sunday morning worshiping with us. And today we are starting a new sermon series, <clears throat> and we're going to look at this, this idea of anxiety through um, a biblical lens. For those of you who are new, normally what we do here, I would say 75% of the time, we are taking a book of the Bible and we're going straight through it, verse by verse or passage by passage, and going through that way. We feel like that's the, the best way over the long haul uh, to set up a, a kind of a preaching schedule. But every once in a while, we uh, want to stop and hit pause on that kind of book by book thing and just look at specific topics that we feel are necessary for us as a church or even just society at large. And for the next six to eight weeks or so, this is one of those moments. We're going to kind of hit pause on going through books of the Bible straight through. Now, there's going to be a lot of Bible, um, but uh, we're going to kind of let the topic guide us into the scriptures um, rather than kind of the book itself guide us into the scriptures. So uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in uh, to this topic. Father, I'm thankful for your word, thankful when, we, um, when we're approaching something like anxiety, something that's um, <clears throat> complex, complicated, um, affects so many people. I pray that we have 
um, that you've revealed yourself. We have your words uh, in the scriptures. So we don't have to first turn elsewhere to kind of figure this thing out. We can first look at your word and see what you have to say about that. So today, as we dig into these passages that speak directly to um, anxiety, I pray that you would help us, that you would help me be clear, you would help all of us in this room understand, and that through your spirit, you would change us, that we would walk out of here um, different people, that our affections would be stirred for you, that our, our, our lives would line more up with your will for us. So help us to that end, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first question uh, I think that is, it's okay to ask is, why would we do this? Why would we do a series on anxiety? Well, the easy answer is because I, anxiety is a really big problem in our world and a really big problem even in the church world. So we want to address it. We want to address it head on. We want to talk about it in light of what the scripture has to say about it. By not, by, uh, in, in 2019, uh, worldwide, 301 million people were living with an anxiety disorder, including 58 million children. This is in 2019, and after kind of COVID, it's estimated that anxiety over the world has increased by somewhere around 25%, according to the World Health Organization. It's a big problem. Nearly 20% of the population, this is in our country, have been diagnosed with a disorder by a mental health professional meaning many more who probably, probably could be diagnosed that haven't been diagnosed yet that would push that number way, way above 20%. In 2018, so five years ago, prior to COVID, 63% of American college students said they were reported that they had experienced overwhelming anxiety within the past year. And if we just kind of add what's happened in the last five years in our world, I'm guessing that pushes that number well over 75 or 80%. This is a problem for all of us. Now, I want to say at the, the get-go, some of you in this room don't need to, me to remind you that you struggle with anxiety. You fight it every day. I just want to say that I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm proud of you for fighting, for wrestling with it, and I just want you to know that we care about you. God cares about you. And I'm glad that you're here. And I pray that, that, that by looking at the word today that you would be comforted. Some of you, others of you in this room, have been living with moderate to low levels of anxiety for a long time. And you're pretty high functioning in it. But over time, you are uh, wilting from the inside. Anxiety is slowly kind of taking you apart because of what it does to us over the long term. And maybe you don't even realize how much you operate with that low sense of anxiety in your life. Some of you may even scoff at the idea of anxiety. Like thinking, I don't have anxiety. I just get stressed out every once in a while, kind of when life, you know, um, when, I, when I have struggles in life. And that's part, of, that's on the spectrum of anxiety as well. So regardless of where you fall on this spectrum, Anxiety affects almost all, if not all of us. So that's why we're doing this series. If anxiety is about getting sick, anxiety is about the future for your kids, anxiety is about relationships, about death, about missing out on something in life, 
of anxiety about being alone, about finances, about what people think of you, about losing something. You start to play that out, you start to probably, maybe even some of you right now, it's starting to well up. Like you are feeling anxious. I've struggled with anxiety myself in different seasons of my life, which I'll get more into as we get further into this series. But here's the problem. Here's the problem, I think, when it comes to anxiety. Um, And this isn't just me. In the reading that I've done, everyone's kind of talking around the same things, kind of pulling on the same thread here. But I think this is especially true for Christians. But when we approach anxiety, I think we try to approach it in, in one of two ways. And I think both of these ways are incomplete. There's good with both of these, but in and of themselves, these things are not enough. So the first way we approach it is we feel like anxiety is bad. It's bad. We need to get rid of it. We need to get rid of it quickly. So we want to move past it. We want to move beyond it. So we look for the quick fix. Like, just give me a Bible verse to memorize. Or just give me those four steps that if I put into practice, it's going to make it go away. Or give me that, that, that method of prayer that I'll do for a couple of weeks, and that'll put me in a better frame of mind. Again, these things are good, and they should be a part of a, kind of a holistic plan for dealing with anxiety. But in and, of themse- in and of themselves, more than likely, they're not going to be enough. Then on the flip side, you may approach anxiety by compartmentalizing it. By kind of saying, you know, anxiety is something that's over here, and my spiritual life is over here, and those two things don't really blend. So you look to maybe kind of the things of the world to address your anxiety. Maybe you look at the, the, the most recent self-help hack to be able to, like, manage your anxiety better. Again, not all bad, right? Some of those things are necessary when we are trying to approach dealing with anxiety. But if you don't see it as a spiritual problem, as well as a problem with your, your body, right? We're made, of, we're, made, we're made up as humans of a soul and a body. And so you can't just treat anxiety by looking at the body and even the mind. You have to also treat anxiety by looking at the soul. Okay, so it's both. Listen to the, um, Dr. Tracy Dennis Tiwari, is how I say her name. Um, she says this, as a clinical psychologist and neuroscience researcher, I have devoted the past 20 years to understanding difficult emotions like anxiety. And I believe that we mental health professionals have made a terrible mistake. We've convinced people that anxiety is a dangerous affliction and the solution is to eliminate it, as we do with other diseases. But feeling anxious isn't the problem. The problem is that we don't understand how to respond constructively to anxiety. That's why it's increasingly hard to know how to feel good. So my hope in this series is that we will become, we will, we will become and feel more equipped in how we can deal with anxiety and how to tackle it head on and move straight into anxiety and not kind of do these other things that really is kind of avoiding the main issue at hand. And I believe if we feel equipped to deal with it, it's going to give us hope and going to give us peace for being able to navigate through anxiety. So let me set up, <clears throat> let's define our terms here. I'm going to give some background before we jump into the text. <clears throat> Sorry. The American Psychological Association defines anxiety like this, and it's up here. It's just a very short, straightforward definition. Anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, 
and physical changes like increased blood pressure. There are more physical responses, biological responses we have to anxiety. They're just using blood pressure as an example. But that list could, is, is very long if you go through all the physical um, responses to anxiety that we have. Um, the American Psychological Association kind of uh, has identified six broad categories of anxiety, just so you're, again, aware of the spectrum here. There's general anxiety disorder, which I think is the most common, most prevalent. There's panic disorder. There's social anxiety disorders. There's all the, the phobias, like fear of heights, fear of needles, fear of spiders, fear of blood. All those things kind of fall into that category. Also, post-traumatic stress disorder and obsessive-compulsive disorder are all kind of lumped in together with kind of an anxiety disorder. So that's the spectrum we're talking about. I share those because I want you to see that this is a large spectrum when we throw out the idea of anxiety. And I'll say that um, mental health professionals say there is a link between depression and anxiety. So if, you, if maybe you don't feel anxious in here, but maybe you struggle with depression, um, often depression is caused by anxiety that is left unchecked, causing this cycle between the two. They often kind of manifest themselves differently but most mental health professionals think they are linked together. And so much of what we talk about anxiety in this series can also be applied to depression. Now, I want to be clear on this before we go any further. I am not a mental health professional. I'm a pastor, and I'm a preacher of the Bible. Like, that's what I am called to do. So I'm going to stay in my lane when it comes to anxiety. Like, you're, this isn't gonna, like going to a, a seminar where you're going to be um, lectured to by a mental health professional. That's not what this is going to be. But I do believe the Bible has a lot to say about how we approach mental health, especially anxiety. So when I feel like I'm moving out of my lane, I've consulted uh, sources and people who are better equipped in this area than I am to quote and to, to kind of go off of to talk through these things. I'm in favor of counseling I'm in favor of therapy. I'm in favor of medicine, especially for short seasons of time. I don't think everyone has to use these resources or even needs to use these resources to have mental health. But I do believe they're a, a, a good and fine option for some people. And we'll talk more about this as we get further into the series. So I want to get that out front now. But I want to ask a question to kind of kick us off. Is anxiety bad? Is it bad? And how you answer that question, I think, kind of approaches what you do with anxiety. And my answer to that question is maybe. I know, it clears a lot up, right? Is anxiety bad? Maybe. Let's look at Matthew 6, 24. This is a verse before the passage that Kristen read, because I want to give you context for what Jesus is talking about here. This is one of the most um, quoted and studied passages on anxiety. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Okay, So he's talking about idolatry there, putting things um, in a place that we should only put God, right? Worshiping things more than we worship God. So that's the context. Because here, the, the, the very next, the first word of verse 25 is a therefore which means it's connected to what he just said, right? So in verse 25, it's connected to verse 24. He says, therefore, I tell you. So in the context of idolatry, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. 
And if you skip on down to verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And we're going to for sure dig into this passage more later in the series because there's a lot in here. But for now, I want us to see that Jesus is not necessarily saying that anxiety is bad in and of itself. What he's saying here is that it can lead to idolatry if you become kind of uh, obsessed and excessively anxious over things like food and drink, what you will wear, normal everyday life things. It can lead to idolatry. It's a little bit of a warning here. Here's Paul writing about his buddy Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, 28. Listen to Paul here. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. In the middle of the Philippians, right in the middle of the book, he drops this in, right? Paul's admitting to he's, he's, he's anxious. He, he would prefer to be less anxious, so he brings up his buddy Epaphroditus here. And a few verses later, Paul would write one of the most kind of uh, famous, popular passages on anxiety, Philippians 4, 6, where he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, present your request to God. So if he thought anxiety was a sin or thought it was bad, why wouldn't he connect these two things? He's telling him, do not be anxious, but he's just admitted that he's anxious, right? And he doesn't really say anything about the two beyond, hey, um, don't be anxious, right? Mark 14, 32 um, through 34. This is Jesus right before he was about to get arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be, listen to this, greatly distressed and troubled. Right? I mean, I, you could almost put anxiety in there to shorten that. Right? And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Right? It goes beyond body. It's his soul he's talking about. Is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Okay, Jesus is racked with anxiety in that moment as he is in the garden there. Um, we even see that Jesus, he, 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 in one of those occasions, he sweat drops of blood in this situation. I would say that Jesus is anxious in this moment. Because of the fall and sin coming into the world, which we were born into, and the curse that God has put on creation in Genesis 3, anxiety is going to be a part of our world period. Because of the fall, because of who we are, anxiety is going to be a part of the world, and we shouldn't be shocked. That's the first step of kind of just saying, okay, how am I going to deal with it, is to not be shocked by it. Say, okay, it's here. It's a part of our world. This is difficult, right? We live in this era of history, theologians call the already but not yet. Jesus lived, died, rose again, ascended back to the right hand of the Father, sends the Holy Spirit, and we are find ourselves after those things as the kingdom has come, to some degree, right? It says, I, the, kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God is here. We see Jesus using that language in the Gospels. But we know that um, it's not the full measure of the kingdom. Only a partial measure of the kingdom has come. He has not come back to set up his kingdom in fullness. And because we find ourselves in this in this time in history, the already but not yet, we're going to have things like anxiety that are present. Listen to Romans 8. Uh, starting in verse 18, Paul talks about this. <clears throat> For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, the already but not yet, are not worth comparing 
with the glory that has to be revealed to us. Listen to verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing. There's this longing. There's this like discontent that creation has for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Listen to verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, humanity, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the church, groan inwardly. There's this inward, soul-level groaning and discontent as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. One thing that I've seen for the first time, really, in dealing with anxiety as I've studied over the last several months in preparation for this series is that um, anxiety in and of itself is not sinful. Anxiety isn't something to be repented of. Anxiety isn't even something to run from. We must address it, though. It must be addressed. We can't sweep it under the rug because it will quickly lead to unbelief and sin and these types of things, right? And if we handle it and address it in the right way, it can lead us to a closer and deeper relationship with God. So I think there's an opportunity here in front of us to grow in our knowledge and our love and our affections for Jesus and the Father God. And that's that opportunity is before us. Anxiety, as the definition mentioned earlier, says is an emotion that's similar to kind of fear uh, that is given to us by God. The problem is when emotions given to us by God, like fear and anxiety, cease to be warning signs, and they become kind of sources of continual distress um, when we we have anxiety over the wrong things, or we make up things to have anxiety about, or we do so in the wrong degree or or the wrong way, right? That's when we can get into trouble. A pastor friend of mine told me this week as we were talking about anxiety, he said, um, emotions, which anxiety is one, emotions are good messengers, but bad masters. Say it again, emotions are good messengers, like lights on a dashboard, but bad masters, right? Any emotion, you take any of them, the ones we maybe think lean towards positive, lean towards negative, all those, if you you build your life on an emotion, it will become... um, uh, idolatry. It will be a bad God. It won't give you what you want. They're bad masters, as my friend said. Think about it. God gives us the emotion hurt to lead us to reconciliation so we will become bitter with other people. We feel that hurt, and it's to move us towards other people to be reconciled. God gives us loneliness to show us we need to move towards others in relationship. God gives us shame because sin can produce shame, and we can bring that to God and have freedom over our shame. We know in, the, we know in this, the scriptures, the fear of the Lord is, what? The beginning of wisdom, right? Fear, if handled appropriately, can lead to wisdom. God gives us anxiety or allows us to experience that to show us he knows us and cares for us. Even more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Look at Mark 14. Let's go back to that. There's so much going on here in this passage right before Jesus is arrested and I, it's, I think it's insightful to really dig in and try to feel what Jesus is feeling here. Verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. 
And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Jesus is under a degree of anxiety and trouble in his soul that most of us, I could probably say all of us, will never face. Again, sweating drops of blood, right? But listen to verse 35. Like he starts to, he starts to kind of lean into this, like not really wanting to do it, right? You can almost feel the anxiety even more building up right here in verse 35. And going a little further, so he moves away from his, his, his guys he brought up there. He fell on the ground. Like the, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, falls on the ground. He's so racked with anxiety and what's going on deep inside of him. He's troubled. And he prayed that. Listen to what he prays first. If it were possible that the hour might pass from him. Like, is there another way? Can we do this another way, God? I don't want to do it. I'm anxious. I'm troubled. Is there another way? It's one of those, we see Jesus at his, at his, his weakest here. And he says in verse 36, he continues, and he said, Abba, Father. It's like Daddy, right? It's a, it's a kind of a pet word for a father. Daddy, Father, all things are possible for you. I know you. You're, you created everything. Is there another way? Take this cup from me. Take these circumstances from me, God. And then the end of that verse, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. And when we read that, there's a quick turn from, like, him being distressed and asking, take this away from me, to quickly, like, okay, God, I, I believe you, I trust you, I'll, I'll, I'll move into this pain I'm about to experience. But I can imagine the way Jesus sets this up, that this was ours. Like, he's on the ground wrestling, he's battling, he's fighting, and I think for just economy of words, Mark kind of, and the other gospel writers kind of moved through that pretty quick, right? But I can imagine the struggle that Jesus has to turn from kind of avoiding the pain, avoiding what's coming, to actually capturing it. To saying, okay, I get it. This is hard, this is painful, but here we go. And it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel that this is the moment, this is Satan's last, like, fighting chance here. If Jesus opts out of this, if Jesus chooses to do this another way, Satan wins, right? He wins. Like if Jesus doesn't go through with this, then we don't get saved. There's not salvation. So this is like the crucible moment of Jesus here. And he pours his heart out to God. Is there another way? Is there another way? And even though we aren't bearing the weight of the world's sin upon our shoulders, we can learn from Jesus here. We can learn from him. Learn what he did, right? Notice there's, there's really three things that he does in these verses, and this, is, I think, is good, like, application and modeling for us. I just want to highlight briefly. Number one, he's aware of how he's feeling. He sets this whole thing up. He knows the arrest is coming. All this is building. He says, hey, guys, let's go over here. Takes the 12 disciples. Then he stops them, and he takes the other three up further up um, the hill and, or to the garden. And he sets all this up. Because he's aware of how he's feeling. He doesn't avoid it. He doesn't escape it. He doesn't brush it off. He sets up, he's going to go pray. He's going to go talk to his father in the garden. He's bringing his boys with him to be there to support him. He set all of this up. So first is awareness. We have to be honest with ourselves. 
We have to be honest with our anxiety. We have to start figuring out why, why does this happen? What's causing this? And these are the types of questions we're going to get into in the, in the sermons coming up, is what actually is, is the root of anxiety? What questions can we act, ask ourselves? But number one, he's aware. He's aware of how he's feeling. Number two, he talks with God. He prays, right? He, he went up there to pray, the scriptures tell us. Um, and then he, he, he goes into verse, um, the, the verses there, and he says, um, that not, he asked God to take the cup, and he says, not my will, but your will. He has this moment of, of raw gut-wrenching honesty and vulnerability with his father. This isn't the kind of prayer that maybe, that I mean, I'm so, that's easiest for me, right? Petition, hey, God, help, kind of help me with this. Um, p- petition for other people, right? This is a, God, I don't like this. This is psalm-level, like David prayers of honesty with God. He's bringing it all to him. He's saying, help me. This is crushing me. The weight is crushing me. So, Number, number, the same thing we do is we need to talk to God. We need to go to him. We need to, we need to talk to him. And the third thing we see is he seeks earthly community. Look at verse 37. He's already brought his closest three boys with him. Um, and then after the battle, he says this, right, in verse 37. He says, and he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch, watch one hour? Like, come on, man. Like, I brought you up here for a reason. Stay awake. One, so he could pray for him, Jesus, like be a part of the battle, but also for him to pay attention. He's modeling here. He's teaching here. This is how you handle distress. I have to think that Jesus, that was on Jesus' mind here. 38, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time, and he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. I want you to imagine now God the Father. What, what he, imagine the look on his face, right? Imagine what his posture towards Jesus when Jesus is, is crying out to him. Is there another way? Is there any other way this could be done? When he says, Abba, Father. Remove this cup from me. And we don't have to go too far to imagine it. If you remember, when Jesus, before he began his ministry, was baptized in Jordan River, hasn't done anything really ministry-related. He hasn't performed any miracles. He comes out of the Jordan, and God speaks identity over Jesus by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And if he's pleased Then for Jesus, do you not think he's pleased now in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is is crying out to him? He's probably ripping his heart out as a father, but I guarantee you he's proud of him. And it's because of this good news, it's because of the, the person and work of Jesus, the fact that he went through, he finished the race, he accomplished what he set out to do with his life to the very end. He didn't relent to Satan and the temptations here in the Garden. He held out, he went through it, he faced his distress, he faced his anxiety, and we're the benefactors of that. He lived a life that we could not have lived. We're going to fail when it comes to anxiety every day if you're battling with it. You're going to have feelings of unbelief. You're going to sin. Anxiety is going to be a root of sin for you. But Jesus didn't. Jesus lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. Then he went to the cross and took sin upon himself Right? We get his righteousness, he gets our sin, 
And then he, go, then he rises three days later, conquering sin, Satan, and death. And this is the good news of the gospel. And when that happens, God makes a way for sinners like you and me to be reconciled to him. Back into his family so he can look at you and call you son. Call you daughter. Be attentive to you. To hear you when you cry out to him in your distress. To, to, to empathize with you when you call out for help. When you're struggling with mental health or anxiety. The gospel provides a way back into relationship with God so that we can have one to cry out to when we are anxious. When we believe it with faith, we become his child. This is how he views you. This is how he sees you if you're a follower of Jesus. He loves you. Think of Zephaniah 3.17. This is one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Listen to this. this you want to know what God thinks of you? Even in, like, especially when you're anxious, especially when you're troubled. Listen to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's there. He's with you through the Spirit. A mighty one who will save. He's strong. Listen to what he does. This is what God the Father's doing. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He's happy in you. He takes delight in you. Right? There's a gladness when he looks at you. Next thing, he will quiet you by his love brings peace, calms you down. How? Through his love, through his affection that he has for you, that he's made evident in his son. Then lastly, he says, he will exult over you with loud singing. He sings over you. You believe that God the Father sings over you if you're his child? God made you. He knows you. He wants you to bring your anxiety, your fear, and your worry to him. This week we did the back to school thing and um, there was a moment where um, uh, Jack's our, he's a second grader now, and he, he's got the first week jitters. I remember having a lot of anxiety and stress those first weeks of going to a new grade. He's been in the school, but going to a new grade, new teacher, new classmates and everything. And we drop him off, uh, Nicole and I did, and he kind of walks away from us, carrying his new backpack. And you could tell even the way he's walking, he, he, he's struggling. He's anxious. We can tell by his walk. He doesn't have a lot of pep in his step. And in that moment, it just it, it broke my heart. Like I wanted to just, I wanted to just give him a hug Say, it's going to be okay, buddy. I've had those. I've, I've had those, those weeks before. I've been through the new class thing. I know what it's like. It gets better, buddy. And I wanted just to keep going to him and say, it's good. We, we talked through this that morning, but I keep wanting to go to him and, and hug him and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And I, we had to kind of let him go there through the school on his own, and it, and it was hard. But I, we were praying for him, Nicole and I, all day. He would meet, he'd meet, meet a friend quick. That his teacher, he would connect quickly with his teacher to kind of, to kind of uh, buffer that anxiety a little bit. And I'm just a sinful dad that makes mistakes every day as it relates to my kids. And that's what I felt just by watching him walk away to go to second grade and feeling what he felt. Imagine what the father thinks about God the Father, the perfect father who created you, thinks about his children. And what he wants from you in those moments when you're anxious when you're scared, when you're worried. He wants you to come to him. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in your midst. 
See, the goal of this whole series is not to be less anxious. That's a byproduct. I hope we have some victory over anxiety. I do. But the goal is to love Jesus deeper. That's why we have anxiety. That's the point, right? To draw us to him, to draw us to the Father, to understand the love of the Father that he has for his sons and his daughters. This will give us hope and will give us peace when we feel that love, which will allow us to overcome anxiety when it, when it strikes. Now, I get this. this is, we're in this for the long haul. Like anxiety isn't something that started overnight, and it's probably not going to be something that is healed overnight or in a few sermons. I get that. I'm not telling you, hey, believe this and your anxiety will go away, right? But I pray that we would take a small step towards healing by running to the Father. And if you don't know him, I pray that you would put your faith and trust in him because he's good. I want you to imagine something as we close, church. Imagine if we were a people that instead of avoiding or dismissing or hiding our anxiety, that we would look at it head on. They would bring it out into the open with brothers and sisters through the God's word and the Holy Spirit and begin the work of healing. Let's bring our anxieties to him first because he cares for us. And I can imagine the ripple effect that it would have in this world that is struggling right now, that doesn't know what to do with anxiety. I think we have the solution to start with, at least, to look to God, to come to him. Let's pray. Father, I'm again thankful for your word. Thankful that you're a God who hears us, who knows us, who sees us at our best, and especially at our worst. Help us believe that. Help us cut through the, our flesh and the lies of the enemy and the things the world tells us about how to deal with this. I pray that we could cut through all of that this morning and believe that you love us and that you, you desire to be with us, that you want us to come to you for healing. Before we look to anything else, we come to you first. So I pray that we would do that now as we observe communion, that we would do that as we leave this place. We love you. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.